Hello, everyone, and welcome to Beyond the Surface. My name is Brian Levinson. I created this podcast because I'm very interested in talking to interesting people who are performers. They're everything from CEOs to coaches to athletes to musicians to actors, anyone who considers himself to be a performer and is an expert at their craft. So what we will do is ask questions to dive deep and dig deep into their mindset, into their journey, into their story, what makes them unique, what makes them special, so that hopefully it can help you as you continue on your journey for development and as you go beyond the surface with yourself as well. Today's episode for Beyond the Surface is with Teague Moore. Teague is the head, head wrestling coach at American University, and Teague was also a national champion wrestler at Oklahoma State uh, back in the day when he was wrestling. So really excited to have Teague here for our first episode. Uh, I can't think of a better person to start it off with because Teague just has the tenacity about him and is really tuned into mindset and mentality, and I've had the privilege of working with his team for this is my sixth year now so excited to introduce Teague to all of you. Uh, so starting out Teague can you just tell us a little, a little bit about yourself uh, your journey I know you grew up in Pennsylvania tell us yeah. a little bit about your upbringing. Yeah so uh, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania um, the youngest of seven kids and uh, so a- as my family we're, we're short in stature right so it, it was natural for our family to kind of gravitate towards the sport of wrestling. So I began wrestling at the age of five. Um, most of my older brothers wrestled, almost all of them wrestled, so it was very natural for me to start to go down that path. Before you um, go forward, my family is short in stature too, but we grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland. So for people that don't know, can you talk about wrestling uh, maybe in your community? Because yeah. I'm sure that also guided you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Western Pennsylvania, uh, where Pittsburgh is located, um, has a very, very deep and successful wrestling culture. It's arguably the most successful place in the country for the sport of wrestling. Everything from you know, uh, high school all-star wrestlers to collegiate all-star wrestlers to Olympic champions, um, world champions. So growing up, a lot of my friends, uh, their brothers, their parent, their dads, their uncles, everybody seemed to wrestle. So it's, it's really deep into the culture. And as little kids, um, it, was, it was very common in my elementary school classes for more than half of the boys in my class to be wrestling. So You mentioned your older brother. So he, he, was he the first one to sort of take that mantle, or was it also... Uh, future gen- uh, generations above that. No, my, my dad actually played basketball growing up. Um, my mom and dad were both born and raised in Pittsburgh. My dad played basketball, but um, once he had uh, us kids, uh, a, a neighborhood friend had got the wrestling program going where we were from. My older brothers were significantly older than I were. Uh, my oldest brother was 16 years older than I was. So uh, once they got into wrestling, my dad really... He, he, he enjoyed it immediately because he saw the individuality of the sport, uh, the amount of work you put into it is probably what you're going to earn out of the sport. And my dad absolutely loved that. And so, uh, you know, as my brothers got into it, um, started finding success pretty quickly. Uh, my brother, Ty, who is just above me, arguably one of Pennsylvania's 
greatest high school wrestlers. Uh, he was a four-time Pennsylvania State champion, only lost once in high school. So I had big shoes to fill uh, in, in growing up. Uh, he was winning at the youth level, junior high level, high school level. By the time he finished high school, everyone just expected me to kind of follow in his footsteps. But uh, that presented a lot of challenges for me uh, psychologically uh, as a little brother in expecting that I'm just supposed to have the same success as him. Uh, so for me, started wrestling at the age of five. I really didn't start to come into my own until late in high school. And the sport of wrestling really shaped me uh, throughout my many years. How so? Talk, talk about that a little bit. Um, so the sport itself is, is um, it's, it's interesting in the fact that it, it's obviously physically challenging, but the mental aspect of our sport um, and, and I think it is with many sports. The older I get, the, the more that I see it's, it's like this in many sports. To become the best in the sport of wrestling, you have to master so many different things. And um, to really overcome and to be the best, a lot of times you're, you're battling yourself in your mind. Am I able to beat my opponent? You know, you're questioning yourself before you even go out there on, onto the mat to compete. Um, I didn't start to understand or or prepare myself mentally until I was almost late into high school. I'd already been wrestling for 12 years, 13 years before I even saw the, the mental side of it. You hit on something which everyone always asks me, what's the most mental sport? So they're always like, Brian, what's the most mental sport? And they already have an idea of what it is before they ask that question. And I think you hit on something which is the more mastery that it takes, the more tasks that you have to figure out the more hard work that you put into something, you mentioned putting in, the more you put in, the more you're gonna get out. The more you have to put into something, the more mental it becomes. Yeah. Because people like to silo these things and say, there's mental, there's mechanics, there's physical, um, there's nutrition. But they're all together. Because the more physical something becomes, the more mental it's gonna be. Yeah. Because your guys, uh, I'll say this, and you know, nobody trains like wrestlers. But a golfer, trains for probably the same amount of hours, maybe more, hitting a golf shot, trying to master that, that fade, um, or, or whatever, maybe their chips or their putting, or they're just constantly working on it. So you put all that work in, the expectations which you talked about with your brother become, become larger. Yeah. Um, I wanna go back a little bit before we go forward and tell me a little bit about your upbringing, uh, your parents, what did they do? Seven kids, we just sort of glossed over that, but I'd right. imagine that was right. a little bit of a unique experience. So tell us about your upbringing, yeah. what it was like from a family standpoint, not so much a wrestling standpoint. Yeah, so a family standpoint, um, the seven kids, as I said, we were a little bit spread out. There were three boys uh, back, uh, back to back to back. Um, there was a one-year space. Then there were two girls. Uh, there was a five-year space, my brother Ty, and then a five-year space, and then me. So as I grew up, it was almost like we had two different families. You had the first five that came along. Uh, my mom and dad, uh, extremely hardworking people. Uh, my mom was one of 18. Right, my dad uh, never finished high school. Dropped out of high school early, entered into the military. Right, so both my mom and dad just you, you're you're blue collar, uh, very dedicated to their kids. They live and have lived their whole lives about giving their kids a better chance and a better opportunity. So uh, from the time from from the earliest stages I can remember, um, my parents were always challenging us. 
there was a lot of competition in the house about what we did, whether that was the sports that we were involved with, that maybe a brother or sister was doing the same as you. There was a lot of head-to-head competition. Uh, there was also a lot of competition with, uh, you know, uh, what we were doing outside of our sports. So whether it was academics, uh, they were challenging us that way. Um, being a part of the community, my parents were always putting us in situations where uh, we had to work hard, but at the same time, they tried to make it fun, you know. Uh, hard work, definitely a value that was passed down in the yeah. family. What other values would you say were sort of the core of your upbringing? Definitely our faith. Like, uh, so... Every Sunday, are you... Every Sunday at church, Catholic, born and raised Catholic. Um, my mom is, is, to this day, she's the grandma that she drives around to... Um, where priests and nuns retire. My mom will go to these places, pick these priests and nuns up, drive them to prayer groups and things like that. Like, literally my whole life, that's what, my mom was always doing stuff like that. So faith was a huge part of what we were doing. In the faith, and I don't mean in a religious sense, I mean more in the morals, values, maybe character that was shaped within within the faith. Yeah, there was just certain things in our family that were like... um, Non-negotiable. Non, absolutely. That'd be the best description. There were certain things, whether it was, you know, it, once you become a teenager, right? Teenagers are always experimenting and doing these sort of things. Our parents were so steadfast in that this is the right thing to do, and you do it. Whether it was drugs or alcohol or prom- promiscuity, all of those sort of things were just hammered into us that this is what we do this is how we will do it uh the common theme in the Moore family was until you are 18 years old right enter whatever my parents wanted to say it was it was their way or the highway you're under our roof this is what you're going to do and at 18 it was also it was also told to us throughout our whole life when you're 18 you're on your own both of our parents were on their own when they were 18 so they expected the exact same of us so you have this sort of um, maybe strict, uh, guided, very, um, almost, I don't want to say dependent, but that's sort of, it's, it's, it's our way or the highway. You don't like it. You're out of the, sure. you're out of the, you're out of here. I like the word overbearing. Overbearing <laughs> might be the right word, <laughs> right. right? So, right. so, so you're in high school and, <clears throat> and you're, you're in this environment that, Probably brings out a lot of great qualities, but also yeah. I would imagine as a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old and seeing your siblings ahead of you, um, talk about that dynamic of maybe the structure and, and what, I'm sure there was a desire to be more independent yeah. in that structure as well. Can you just talk about that push-pull? Yeah, the, the um, watching my older siblings was really interesting from, from my perspective because uh, I had six different roadmaps to see, right? right? And, and, and we covered a wide range. Uh, I have one sister. My sister Tina was, uh, she graduated uh, summa cum laude yeah. of, of high school and in her college. Um, I had brothers that went the military route. I had brothers that started their own businesses. They were entrepreneurs. Um, a little bit of everything. Yeah. And so I, I watched and learned from them and for me, it was kind of nice because I got to kind of piecemeal what I saw and, and what I said, okay, I think I want to do that. I want to handle it the way my sister handles it. 
And then in this instance, I think I want to handle it the way my brother handled it, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's an interesting dynamic being the youngest, right? And being yeah. at the end of that, and you said those six roadmaps. Yeah. I've always been curious as to how eight birth order impacts success, especially in athletics. Yeah. Because uh, we have so many, I mean, at AU, you have so many brothers even just on, on the team. that come through there. And I've always been curious about what that does. Like you said, the pressure of, uh, you know, walking in their shoes, but also the ability to sit back and see, oh, maybe I don't want to go down that path. Yeah. Maybe that's a better path. Maybe, and the luxury that I would say of being able to go through that, to me is fascinating. To me, there's a study in there somewhere where it's like, all right, you know, the Curry brothers in basketball or the Molina brothers in baseball. You go to every sport and there are these siblings, um, the Williams sisters in tennis. And I, I'm always curious of what the youngest is able to see. I'm a middle child, but I right. think that the youngest probably, if you were to look at it in my experience, has the ability to really see things a certain way uh, and then pick and choose what works and also get coached from their older siblings in a, in a way that isn't necessarily intentional, um, but often probably happens as well. So yeah. that dynamic's fascinating. All right, yeah. so high school, um, I know <clears throat> we're, we're gonna get to your collegiate career in a minute, but you had to, I know you sort of downplayed your success maybe from five years old to 13, 14, but talk about your high school career and let's go back into the wrestling. So high school was really interesting because as I said, my brother just above me, my brother Ty, uh, outstanding high school wrestler, uh, uh, one of the one of the most highly recruited athletes in 1990, right? So, uh, as I come into high school, <clears throat> the expectation that I have on myself, and I think most of the people around me, were that you're expected to be a four-time state champion. You're expected to try and go undefeated in high school, right? Complete failure. As soon as my freshman year started. <clears throat> I've got two or three losses before December comes along. They throw um, you right into the fire. You're in this, oh, yeah. this Pennsylvania. It's you're not going against Joe Schmo. You're going against legit guys as a freshman out of Madden. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you you jump into that fire and get some failure right off the bat. Yeah. So all right, keep, keep going. So throughout my my freshman year, I didn't even qualify to the state championships my freshman year. Mm-hmm. So to say that like uh, I was lost would be a, a, a big understatement. Identities um, wrestling. I'm a more. I'm a wrestler. My older brother's elite, to yeah, say the least. Yeah. And now, talk about that lost feeling. Real quick. So, so uh, by the end of my freshman year, uh, I realized. I mean, it, the writing was on the wall at that point. You're not going to be as good as your brother, right. right? And that was really tough for me to deal with. I he mean, came in his freshman year and just blew through it, undefeated, crushed everybody that he wrestled. Did right? You guys wrestle the same weight class or different? So classes? at that time, there was a change. He, when he was a freshman, he had wrestled. There was a weight class of 98 pounds, okay. right? By the time that I come into high school, the lowest weight class is 103. So there was a little bit of a difference there, and I was I was smaller than him his freshman year, so. Had there been a 98 pounds, would I have had more success? So you guys were tiny, tiny yeah. little dudes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for me, uh, mentally, it was more mental than anything. Oh. Trying to learn that I was different from him and I was going to have to set my own goals uh, and achieve things in a different manner, um, that all was presented right in front of me by my freshman year in sure. high school as a 15-year-old kid. Amazing. So struggle a little freshman year, 
Do you remember how you handled it? Or did you handle it poorly? Yes. Uh, it's, it's, so I figured that because <clears throat> any freshman in high school probably handles adversity poorly. Yeah. Uh, what did you learn from that looking back on it, and, and what did it teach you? Um, so at that point in time in my life, uh, I had to reevaluate myself. So I had to start to ask myself, what is it that I'm going to do well, right? Uh, especially in the, specifically in the sport of wrestling. What's going to become my thing that I'm good at? What's going to be my signature? My brother was very, uh, he was long and lanky, right? His, for, for the weight class that he was in, uh, he was very strategic. He, the way that he wrestled was very, like, I would say artistic. It was very smooth, right? I was trying to follow in his footsteps and do the same sort of things, and then I realized that's not going to work for me. Did you realize that on your own, or did someone help guide you? A little bit of both. I had some coaches that, that sat me down and just said, look, here's certain things that you're doing. They just don't work for you at all. Right. Here's some other things that you got to start trying. So I, my wrestling took on a much more physical nature, right? It was like the brute versus the artist. I'm going through uh, the wall. I'm not going to find another way to yeah, get, get to yeah, where I want to go. Absolutely. And in that process... To me, that drove home the point. My bro- a lot of things came natural to my brother, mm. right? I realized I had to start living in the weight room, right? I had to become physically forceful against my opponents. I had to find the holds uh, in the techniques that would cause pain, right, for me to find success. Um, so my training, so once I realized that, then my training became very clear. I'm going to spend... A- yeah, I'm going to spend a lot of time in the weight room. I'm going to become physically and mentally stronger than any guy that I'm going to wrestle. And so, therefore, my training started to take a clearly different path. It's an amazing thing because a lot of times those truly gifted gifted athletes, when they step in and it's their maybe we don't know exactly if it's nature versus nurture, probably some combination of both would be my guess. When they don't face that adversity, they don't sort of learn how what works. Right. Because um, they just learn this is what works. It's 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 easy. I just do what I've always done. But you, from a young age, had to face these challenges and figure out. All right, this is what I need to do for my own success, which is probably something that's very empowering yeah. as you go on in your career. And I know we're going to get to Oklahoma State in a, in a minute. Uh, and also the adversity that you face there. But just finish up with your high school career. Talk about it because you don't get to Oklahoma State as uh, someone who just fails all the time. Right. Uh, I I really attribute this to my dad. So there was a point in time in my high school career where he literally sat me down and he said, you're not going to be your brother. Like, you've got to figure out a different way. And so at that point in time is when, for the first time ever, I started writing goals down that were my goals. You remember that conversation? Oh, yeah. Vividly. It was brutal. Where was it? It was take, brutal. Take uh, it, it was in our house. Um, I want to say it was either in our living room or in my parents' bedroom. And I'm going through one of my phases where I'm like, I'm just distraught, right? Like, are you um, crying? Oh, yeah. Ball in my eyes out. I can't figure. I just literally felt helpless. And how old are you? Um, 15 at the Got time. It. Right. This is freshman year. Yeah, freshman year. Okay. And um, loss. What's it at? It was. It was after a, a competition. It was like my fifth or sixth loss as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, I'm I'm expecting to be perfect. Had you lost 
uh, before high school? Oh yeah, in middle school and youth. I, I t- you, you were I, delusional in some ways. Yeah. yeah. I tell people this, this story all the time. This kind of sums up my youth. <clears throat> my dad would drive us all over the country to wrestle in tournaments. My brother would make the finals in all these tournaments. Right. I would usually get my, my butt kicked yeah. quickly. I would spend the rest of the day under the bleachers looking for change. Oh, my God. Right? So the, uh, most of my time at tournaments, I, was, uh, I wasn't even competing because I'd lose and the family would be sitting around waiting for Ty to win the tournament, you know, finish the finals. And so I was all it, it, growing you just wanted up. wanted to go do something. You're like, yeah. what do I do? I'm not going to just sit here. Let me go try to find some money under the bleachers. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, 15 years old, I hit this, this very uh, uh, climactic point, right? And when my dad finally says, you're not going to be your brother. Like, you've got to figure out why you're doing this and how you're going to do it. Um, so at that point... So I just want to go to that moment because it's such a pivotal point yeah. for you. So you're crying, you're in your room. Um, do you remember like what he's wearing? What you're wearing? Like, how vivid is that point? I, I, I can't remember like the specifics of the situation. I just I remember the conversation. So my dad's passed on now, right? right? Um, and when I look back on significant events in my life, that conversation is like turning. huge turning point. Did you know it then, or is it something that you look back on? And I look back on. I mean, at the time, it was it was significant because when I can remember when we finished the conversation, I remember the first time thinking. I told you our our family was very competitive. Yeah. It was the first time I ever remember my dad saying you don't have to win everything that your, bro- your brother won, right. right? Up until that point, it was always like, well, Ty won this, are you gonna win this, right? One of the things I talk <laughs> about with the wrestlers at AU and all my clients is competing instead of comparing. Competing instead of comparing. I think we all as human beings like to compare ourselves to other people. And that can be healthy, it can be useful, it can be motivational, it, it, it can be something that's a good thing. But if it's not based in this idea of competing, if the comparing comes after the competing, yeah. we're in trouble. Because if we're always comparing ourselves, we're not focused on the things we need to focus on, which is just simply compete. If we focus on just competing, what your parents instilled in you, if we focus on that first, then we can compare after the fact as additional wood in our fire. But if we go straight to compare and then try to compete, it's a lot harder, Absolutely. a lot harder. So that's something very real and tangible that you learned. So tell us about how you may have shifted more to a competitive mindset, which was always there in the Moore family, but it sounds like you were maybe, uh, your primary focus was on comparing, yeah. and your secondary was competing, and it, I, I'm assuming there was a, a switch here that happened, which is like, all right, I'm gonna get in the weight room, I'm gonna do all this stuff competing, so take me through the rest of high school and, and your yeah. career. So, so it became very clear that what, what you just mentioned, uh, when I shifted all my focus onto the competitive yeah. mindset and the competitive plan, uh, my success skyrocketed. So after that conversation with my dad, I sat down and said, okay, what do I want to do that's different? How am I going to leave my name at our high school? Uh, how am I going to be different from everybody else. It's about so you there, now. Like, yes. About it's about my name, my legacy, uh, my unique style. Yeah. It's, it's now more about you 
and not about others. Yeah. That, that, so I'll yeah. keep going with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so now the stage is set. Uh, so I, I, I literally sat down on my desk in my room, and I can remember writing, I can remember thinking, what has nobody done here in North Allegheny, mm. right? Um, there's, there's three different styles of wrestling. There's what we do in American high schools and college, right? That's called folk style. And then there's the Olympic styles. There's freestyle and there's Greco-Roman. And I, can, I vividly remember writing on that sheet when the light bulb went off and I said, no one has ever won three junior national freestyle titles, mm. right? We had had some very successful, my brother Ty had some teammates that had won junior nationals, won multiple junior nationals, they'd won two. I said, no one's won three. So that became the top goal. I'm gonna win the freestyle junior nationals three times, wow. right? Um, and those are, are those 18 and under or? Yeah, it's, it's senior year of high school and under. It's freshman through Okay. Senior year, right? But you're not representing the high school. You're representing yourself. You're representing yourself at okay. that point in the state of Pennsylvania because okay. it's state versus state when you go out to Fargo. Okay. So not, the first time ever I had my own goal, mm. right? It changed everything. It changed when I woke up in the morning, what I was going to do with my day so that I could achieve this goal, right? You had the vision. Yeah. And it, and it now my upbringing, right, the foundation had been laid, like how hard you're going to work and do everything. But then once it was clear and concise to me, now mind you, the year before, I hadn't even qualified for the national championships, hmm. right? But now my goal is to go there and win. So as it always happens, interesting things, friendships, uh, a very good friend of mine that I grew up with, his name was Mark Angle. His uncle was Kurt Angle, who became an Olympic champion, sure. right? Mark and I... Some people know him from WWE, right? And all the other things that he's done, right? So I I had known Kurt since I was knee-high, right? Mark's uncle. Marky and I grew up wrestling in rival schools, but in the summertime, we would get together and train together. So Mark had already won... Our freshman year, he went out and won the national championships. At what what weight was he at? He was at, at that time, it was like 100 and... Five and a half pounds. So he's around. He's around. Your yeah, we're we're all we'd always been one weight class apart our whole lives. So I had watched him win it. Mind you, I didn't even qualify the year before. So I figured if I attach myself to him, sure. do whatever he's doing, uh, at least the roadmap's very clear at that point. And fast forward by my sophomore summer, I oh in in high school my sophomore year I go from not qualifying to the states. I end up second at the state championships that year. I lose in the finals to a guy that ends up being an NCAA champion, right, for Penn State. Uh, again, I tell you that because the culture in our area, right, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. These are the same um, guys you're going to see on a national stage. Yeah, these are all my friends. Foreshadowing. Right, yeah. Uh, so I take second in the state of Pennsylvania, then I go to the national championships, and I win the national championships as a sophomore. My junior year... Before you gloss over that, that high versus the low of either being under the stands collecting change or bawling in your room with your dad, can you just talk about those, that high and that low? Uh, yeah. Was there a big difference? Was it, you know, did you feel your identity shift? What, what was that like for you? It, um, it was a defining moment in my life of like, this is what I will do, right? right? Um, winning that national championship, 
I can remember. So, so the award they give, it's a very famous award in wrestling. When you win the national championships, they give you this award that looks like a stop sign, mm-hmm. right? And so everybody talks about wanting to win stop signs wow. at these national championships. And I can remember uh, on the bus ride coming home, it's like a 16-hour bus ride, right? I can remember falling asleep with that thing on my chest and thinking, my brother never had one of these, wow. right? So that was, uh, that was a really defining moment because I, I started thinking, all right, what changed from last year when I couldn't even make it here to winning this year? It was crystal clear, what right? Moment of clarity. All of the hours and effort that I put into the work in studying film, strategy, and all that, it all paid off. Mm-hmm. So I, I very quickly, an equation came out in my mind. If I put X amount of hours into this, it will result in championships, mm-hmm. right? Interesting. So now my mindset was, what's the next championship? Like, what's the next level I kick this up to? The only thing that separates me from being the best for that next goal is amount of hours, hmm. right? And if I put the hours in, it's going to equate to victory. So you started getting into deliberate practice, 10,000 hours, stuff before it was probably even yeah. published in a book somewhere. Correct. Um, so you started getting, all right, I'm going to deliberate. I'm going to work out with angle. I'm going to do this. I'm going to eat. I'm going to watch film. This, this is the process that's going to lead me to winning. And it was very clear for you, and I'm sure it gets cluttered uh, in, in the rest of your story, but at that point, you're like, all right, I know how to make yeah. this happen. All right, talk me through junior and senior year. Direct path. Uh, junior year, uh, I go back to the Pennsylvania States. I still haven't won a Pennsylvania State right. title. I end up third again. Right. But You're a national champion in one sense, but can't, can't win my state, state in another. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was weird because that was no, it, it was a goal, right? It was something I wanted to accomplish, but it wasn't the epitome of my existence right so even though I lost my junior year it hurt and I went through all the pain and things like that but I still said I'm gonna win three national titles so the summer focus is really where my energies and efforts were going Uh, and then I win the the junior nationals again my junior year Um, go into my senior year things work out extremely well my senior year I win the Pennsylvania States I win the Fargo Nationals again. I win the high school nationals in folk style. So now things are really rolling. So you just, that's three different, that's three different national, Pennsylvania State, I'm gonna call a national championship, right? right? So you win, and then you, you really, it's like a three, you hit all three of probably what, yeah. what you really wanna hit. Right? It, it, it was like a grand slam. Yeah. By my senior year, to win the Pennsylvania States, which is, is pretty heralded, right. to do that was great. Uh, then they they now have a uh, at that point in time, they had a folk style the high school national championships foods. where you actually wrestle folk style with the nationals, win that. Then I go into my Olympic styles, win that. So now things are really it's it's like steamrolling. So you're on the map. You're team more. You're getting letters. I'm sure from every mm-hmm. top university. Uh, you end up going to Oklahoma State. Why Oklahoma State? Uh, and and talk about that. Very simple. Uh, the, the coach at Oklahoma State uh, at that time and still to this day, John Smith, mm-hmm. who was a two-time Olympic champion, four-time world champion, champion still arguably the greatest American wrestler uh, in the Olympic style. Um, 
I can I remember him walking up to me after winning the junior nationals my junior year, and he said, "I'd like to talk to you about Oklahoma State." This guy was like he, he wasn't a, a, he wasn't an icon or a leader to me. He was like, it's it is God, right. it's Christ walking up to you, right? Uh, he didn't have to say much. He just had to he, say he 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 was talking, and I probably looked. <laughs> Like dumbfounded, right. jaw on the floor. Uh, so I took my trip to, trip to Oklahoma State. At that point in time, my my vision, my goals had already shifted to how do I become an Olympic champion. So this whole time, you're so you you figured out goal orientation for mm-hmm. you. If I need to write it down, I need to have the vision, and then I need to just work relentlessly to chase that vision. Yeah, that's sort of. I will do whatever it takes. Yeah, I will do. I will put my body through whatever it takes. And that whatever it takes thing is something that we've talked a lot about. Is Mm -hmm. is especially in your sport, there are. um, It's one thing to say it; it's another thing to do it, because physically it's so demanding. Uh, You know, I, I saw some guys at AU go through some tough injuries this year, and. I think from the outside world, sometimes they don't realize how tough the sport is. But for you, you're saying nothing matters. I am going to do what I need to do to get to where I want to go. And that goal orientation for you made it very clear clear and it crystallized. All right, it probably kept you tremendously focused is what I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm also glossing over like my upbringing. My dad would take us to – Anywhere we could go to learn from a great wrestler at a camp, a clinic, uh, a whatever, he got us there, right? So I literally, by the time I was in high school, I had probably learned from over 500 coaches, right? Like, and anything in your radius. Y- we were there. there. We were there. And in the sport of wrestling, for the most part, it, once you get to know people that succeeded in the sport... They, they will usually share the obstacles they got over. So by the time I'm at that point in my career, I had already heard from so many other guys like about goal setting, about overcoming obstacles and those sort of things. Now it was, now it was just a part of my life. Sure. So I was very fortunate that the environment that I was brought up in, that goal setting and, and lifestyle and commitment and all of those sort of things, it wasn't like a learn. It was a learn process, but it was so ingrained. And just there's a couple things going for you. You've got where you grew up. Mm-hmm. You probably got coaches, the elite coaches, mm-hmm. and then you've got your brother, who at one point might have been a curse, but was probably truly a blessing to be able to watch him. Yeah. And then you've got your your values, your morals, uh, your faith. These things that help maximize potential. Um, purely from a wrestling standpoint, not necessarily intentional for wrestling, but go nicely with wrestling. And we look at Pittsburgh and could probably say the same thing for the community of Pittsburgh. It's like, mm-hmm. what is Pittsburgh known for? Blue collar, coal mining, you know, these, these hardworking individuals. And then you pair that with a sport like wrestling that rewards the equation is put in the work, learn the, ta- learn the tasks, start from a young age, get into it. I know you're also, they're also known for football, right? Yeah. Uh, and in a lot of ways, football mirrors wrestling in that, you know, build strength, you know, be fearless, um, work your ass off, and go compete. Um, so it's, it's an interesting dynamic. And you see that all over the world where there are hot spots. Um, you know, you, you have the Kenyans with, with running. You have the Jamaicans with sprinting. You have 
uh, hockey players in Canada. Yeah. You, you have these perfect storms that occur where you get really special athletes with special environments, with special upbringings that lead to special performances. So that, that leads to Oklahoma State. Um, talk about arriving on Oklahoma State. Now you're at, for those that don't know, Oklahoma State's premier program uh, with a, a I, iconic coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you walk in that wrestling room and there's probably 25 other Teague Moors, 20 other Teague Moors. Like, yeah. so, so what's that like stepping on that campus and all of a sudden you're – you hit the grand slam and you win all these national championships and now you step in the room and, and you're you're another guy. Yeah. Uh, so so the choice just to go to Oklahoma State for me was very simple. Uh, when I showed up on Oklahoma State's campus, I think we had either 29 or 30 national team titles, right? So when you walked into Gallagher-Iba Arena, mind you, I think it's the only arena in the country that's named after the wrestling coach. Ed Gallagher was the wrestling coach, right? So you, so you walk into Gallagher-Iba Arena, and there's all these NCAA championship banners hanging from the ceiling. For me, it was instantaneous. I walked in and said, well, I guess I'm going to be a cowboy, right? right? Like, there was, there was no hesitation. I wanted to be an Olympic champion. Again, NCAA champion, it's folk-style oriented. Right. So that's still kind of like... It's in my periphery. It's not my direct focus. I wanted to be an Olympic champion. I wanted to be a world champion. My coach had already achieved those things better than any American ever had. Do you think are most wrestlers, as you look at national champion, Olympic champion, is it that separate from most? Or do you think most wrestlers sort of just say, all right, I'm going to compete? And the reason I ask that is it seems like your older brother just had such an impact on your focus as far as what you wanted for yourself because he was having all this other success um, in his path. Uh, do you, is that something that, as a coach, do you see that people sort of separate those two or do they tend to blend them together? Uh, that's a really interesting question. But in our country, yeah. it, it, it's, it's separate, okay. right? Because the NCAA championships have created such a an impressive stage They're that it's now deal. on. It's huge. TV, I mean, Madison Square Garden or another sold out arena. It's yeah. Our NCAA championships captures more television time than even the Olympics do. Wow. So to, to, to go back to your question, do people see them in the same? I think we're getting a little bit closer to it, mm-hmm. but honestly winning the NCAA championships for a while now, in American youth in the sport of wrestling, that's almost been a little bit higher than an Olympic title. Because when I meet meet with your wrestlers and they talk about what they want, maybe it's because they're on campus and they're focused right there and they're in the moment. There isn't a whole lot of Olympic stuff. Mm -hmm. It seems almost like the Olympic stuff is secondary. Um, It's like, well, I'm going to take this as far as I can take it, and we'll see if if I can then translate it to the Olympic stuff after I'm done now, I know that's not the case because there are certainly guys who go to the Olympic Training Center and, you know, have that focus there. And um, so I would imagine it's different for, for, for different types of wrestlers and where they're at. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting to talk to your guys and find out how much they value being an All-American yeah. or a national champion. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's also because that's really in their sights, uh, whereas the Olympic stuff they know might come after the fact. So. Yeah. Walking into Oklahoma State was a perfect storm where, like you had said it earlier, 
I wasn't the only guy walking in there saying, I want to be an NCAA champion and I want to be an Olympic champion. Everybody going into the room was saying, I expect to be an NCAA champion. I expect to be a world and Olympic champion. So for me, that was the environment I wanted to be in, it. right? It was, it was like picking up the sports mentality of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and very directly narrowing it into just the sport of wrestling, and now it's at Oklahoma State. The other thing psychologically for you is that you had moved so far away from your brother in thinking about him. You still had this little bit of like, no, my, I know my dream is, is Olympic, 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 but you probably weren't as scared of filling the shoes of Oklahoma State as much as you were scared of filling the shoes of your brother when you first started out. If you look yeah. at freshman year of yeah. high school versus freshman year of college, because the expectation I'm sure you get to Oklahoma State is, like you said, you're going to be a national champion. That's what we do here. Yeah. So it's interesting that your brother, and it's a different point in your life, you had grown probably from freshman year of high school to freshman year of college, but you look at those two transitions from middle school to high school, where high school now you're supposed to compete for a state championship, you're supposed to you know, be a more and really do all these things. And then you get to college and it, it's a similar, it, it's actually more, right? Yeah. It's, this yeah. is Oklahoma State. We're giving you a scholarship. Like this is, but it's interesting how you had learned how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. the, I, that expect, the word expectation to me is so important and I don't think you should run away from it. I think it's just, all right, what do I expect? All right, the vision is the national championship. Now here's what I expect process-wise, yep. which I know what we've talked about is like, what are your expectations as a coach? You know, what are the five things you expect of yourself every time you coach? Same thing for a wrestler. What do I expect? Well, I expect to eat well. I expect to work out. I expect to have the right mentality. I expect to be coachable. I expect to train my butt off with my wrestling partner. Those are expectations, just like the expectation to win a national championship. Yep. Um, so anyway, freshman year, talk about Oklahoma State and, and how you did. So uh, for, it's weird the way my path has gone. Um, I just had this conversation with one of my older sisters recently and talking about where I'm at in my coaching career uh, it seems like multiple times in my life it, Mount Everest has been put in front of me mm -hmm. right and and kind of the goal is you, you're supposed to get to the top plant your flag at the top of Mount Everest right uh, so I go to Oklahoma State which uh, there's big shoes to fill in the program right the expectation is NCAA title team title and individual title, period, right? They don't even display runner-up trophies for the program. Like, I don't know where they got put, what closet they got put in, or if they get put into a bonfire every year. I don't know, it but they don't not exist. everybody gets a trophy. They don't exist. It's, it's, Correct. It's a title. It's a title. Um, so I go in my freshman year. Um, I have, in my opinion, I have a horrible freshman year. I'm 29 and 15 barely break into the, to the rankings, into the top 20 rankings. Um, I qualify to the national championships. I go one and two at the national championships. It was, it was miserable, right? Uh, teammates, alumni, the campus itself, that is like a finish like that. You're just another body. You're nobody. Yeah, hmm. right? Uh, there are no pats on the back along the way for something like that. But the beauty of the way I was raised, the environment that I came in, it wasn't, it wasn't like gonna crush me. Right. Yeah, all it did was basically stoke the motivational fire and tell me, okay, I fell short, how do I get back on top? 
and like I said earlier, from the very first time that I won a national title, that path was very clear of what I needed to do. So lived and trained at Oklahoma State all summer long between my freshman and sophomore year. Um, fortunate enough to go on to a, uh, a trip over to Seoul, South Korea for two weeks and train with their Olympic team. Um, Are they known in the wrestling? Were they, are they big at that time, they, they, they weren't, they had a couple of good wrestlers, um, but they weren't like, you know, the best in the world. But it was a great environment for me to go to, again, in my, in the Olympic style, freestyle, and really just kind of get back to the work mentality. We spent two weeks there, and my teammate who was the weight above me who ended up being a three-time NCAA champion and an Olympian he and I when we were on that two-week trip I think we worked out two maybe three times a day for two weeks straight there was no sightseeing there was no like hey we're in Seoul South Korea we'll go do it was workout and probably not a good thing every night go get drunk work out two three times a day go get drunk that night it was like that was the process for two weeks. Uh-huh. Came, when we come back to the States, we go right back to Stillwater, right back to work. And that was the whole summer. It was just how many hours can I put in? Because to, in, my, in my mind, hours of work the was the equation to the title. Okay. Right. Come back my sophomore year. Um, I lose my father in November of my sophomore year and it was not expected it was just something completely out of the blue uh really helped define me or it forced me to say what am i doing with my life i'm 20 years old right it's interesting you just shifted because you you were going to say helped and then you said forced yeah uh and i'm just curious about why why you shifted from help to forced uh i i would say i use the word forced because uh, had that not happened and the way in which I handled it, it, there was a big inner turmoil for me, right? I, as I told you, my mom and dad, their whole life was about what they could do for their kids. Sure. There was never like, what did mom and dad want to do to enjoy life? It was, what do we do so our kids get a better opportunity, mm-hmm. right? So he passes away. It's in the midst of season. And I can, I can remember sitting in my home, right, uh, funerals done, everything like that, and I thought, I don't have to wrestle anymore. Right. If I'm looking at my dad's life and I'm thinking, he did all of that, never did anything for himself. I'm 20 years old. Do I really want to do this whole life like uh, if I'm not doing something for my enjoyment? Sure. Uh, so that was, for me, in my, in my mind, that was a very defining moment. And I made the conscious decision, I will do whatever it takes. Because to me, I equated my happiness with success. When I succeed in what I do, I'm happy. So we're going to get to happiness, but the shift that you start to make is now have to versus get to. Mm-hmm. So a lot of athletes... They wake up and they're 25 and they're a professional athlete and they've just realized this is what I've had to do. I've had to do it to support from, support my family. I had to do it because I was good at it. I had to do it because I wanted to make my parents proud. And you can see it in every sport, right? Uh, I have golfers who think that they have to play golf. I have football players who think that they have to play football. Uh, certainly there are wrestlers who say, well, this is what I have to do. Yeah. When you can shift it to get to, 
whole world changes. Absolutely. Because now it's what I'm getting to do. So now that workout at 6 a.m., well, that's what I get to do. It's not what I have to do. I don't have to drag myself. The sprints outside or the mile run, no, this is what I get to do. And I'm not saying it's all pretty and glamorous and, you know, always fun. But when you change it to get to, because you just talked about, for you, you had to taste it being on top of that mountain, planting that flag on top of Mount Everest. Um, And for you, you love that feeling of planting it. Uh, But I would also imagine for you, it wasn't just about the success of planting the flag on Mount Everest. It was all about the, the fulfillment that you had from knowing that I put that work in and then I got what I wanted. And that is something that's so important and so valuable, which is, the joy is in the journey. And I'm sure you'll get to that at some point, especially as a coach, uh, that joy being in the journey. Um, but the have to first get to is a big thing in your sport, especially because it is not always fun. Uh, it is not always glamorous. Okay. So if it's have to, if you're always like, I'm going to grind and I'm just going to, I have to finish this. I have to, at some point you're going to burn both candles and you're going to get burnt out. Mm-hmm. But if you can get to, and that was a point where maybe at 20, you were getting a little burnt out. Maybe it was a little more have to. And now you can transition and, and shift to get to. And by the way, have to, you can win. You can be elite. Yeah. You can be great. But that's why you see athletes sometimes retire at 28 when they still are in the prime of their career. Yeah. Because it was have to instead of get to. So the get to part, I think, is, is what shifts. So, so talk, about, yeah. talk about that. Well, the, the one thing you, you, had, you had asked earlier, the, the forced part of it, in my, yeah. when I reflect back on it, with my, with my dad's death, I was forced for the first time in my life ever to say, do I have to or do I get to, yeah. right? And that plane trip back to Stillwater was like, uh, it clearly, it clearly, when the wheels hit the ground, I was getting to live the life that I wanted to live. Isn't that amazing? That's probably right. the most tragic thing that happened to you to that point. Yeah. Like, no loss. It's like that. And yet, that obstacle, that adversity, helped you in a lot of different ways. And obviously, no one wants to go through that loss and that, that tragedy, that adversity, but... When it does hit, if you are clear enough, there's usually an opportunity that lies beneath the adversity or the obstacle or the crap. Um, And it's oftentimes, are we clear-headed enough to find a way to actually say, all right, now I get to be better. Um, And I think you can still have that clarity without the adversity. I think you can still have it uh, without the obstacle, but it doesn't always it, it doesn't always force our hand. Yeah. And so what happened with you is it forced your hand to make a, a decision. And you mentioned six different paths with your siblings before. Now you had probably two very distinct paths, which is: Am I going to dedicate myself to be a national champion, or am I going to dedicate myself to being a normal college kid? And by the way, neither of those are wrong. Right. Like you, you could have easily said, you know what? This isn't something that I'm passionate about. This isn't. I've done this because I'm good and because I'm a more. And you could have said, I want to go be a normal college kid and then go into business or do whatever the heck you want. That's not wrong. There's no right or wrong, but for the path that you chose, I'm sure you're happy that you went down this path. So talk about that path and and that journey. Because of the environment that I was in, again, I'll go back to one thing. The faith in our family, right? Like, I felt like at that point in time, like, 
God was completely directing me. Once I made that, once my heart, my soul, my everything was, I am totally in on this, 100% in on this. I felt like he was directing me at that point, right? So any areas of my life that did need it cleaned up, he definitely helped clean up. He put me on the straight and narrow. So that, that college, I come back and I'm in the midst of my sophomore season. Uh, I'm a 20, I'm a mid-teens ranked college wrestler. I don't lose a match from that. Ten days after my dad, we buried my father. I'm wrestling the number two ranked wrestler in my weight class in Gallagher Iba and end up beating him in, in overtime. Can you can you just because that's fascinating. Can you go back to your mindset, your mentality, your approach for that match? Can you go back to it and remember sort of what your approach was? It it was very um it was very surreal because huh. like uh leading up to that match. So he's the number two ranked guy in the country, a guy that had pummeled me my freshman year three times. So in the back of my mind, it, I'm saying, I've never beaten this guy before, right? And he's pummeled me. He, yeah. He physically me. beat me up, no, you right? Got, you got crushed. Uh, I go into that match, and it was, it was kind of surreal because there was no doubt. Like, I knew I'm going to win this match. I just don't know how I'm going to win this match, right? Um, that win... And, and then what happens with it. So in that dual meet, Oklahoma Stanks, we were ranked number two in the country, Michigan State's number three. Okay, so it's a big duel to start off with. Um, I come out very first match, and I upset the number two ranked guy in the country. The, the rest of our team just pulverizes Michigan State. We don't lose a match in the duel. We blank them, right? So number two versus number three. Um, I just want to I just want to tap into it a little bit because um, there's a shift in your mind. You'd always said this equation: hard work, hard work, hard work. Put the hours in, the results will come. But something shifted there where it wasn't mm-hmm. hard work. And you said, "I knew I was going to, but I didn't know how." And what I think I'm hearing there is you were probably so in the moment, and you weren't cluttered by thinking about the outcome or any other distractions. And you probably just said, F it. I'm just going to go wrestle because my dad's gone. What's the worst that can happen? I just had the worst thing that happened to me uh, that could ever lose to him. So what? Yeah. And I would imagine that was probably such a free feeling to go through. And it probably freed you up to just wrestle loose and just go attack them. And and I think too often we think that we have to execute a a game plan. Mm -hmm. Like your family was military. Your dad, you know, military. If I'm in a battle with someone and we have a game plan and we strategically thought about we're going to go about it this way, but they're attacking us in a completely different way, well, we need to shift and adapt our game plan. Yeah. We need to shift our strategy. And so for you not having this, I have to do this, I have to do this, no, I'm just going to get to wrestle him today. Yeah. And I'm going I'm to beat him. This guy, nothing. You're confident, but you weren't so focused on the process in the moment. You were just like, I'm just going to... See it, hit it, see it, hit it. That's what I would guess that feeling was for you, uh, if I were to guess. If I'm, in a, if I'm not a- accurate. Absolutely nail on the head. And, and I've told you this before. That was really the first time, not the first time, but that was where this reoccurring mantra I got into in college where I would just say, I'm going to break the mold, right? And, and I, I would visualize in my mind 
me going out there wrestling and kind of like a, a, a clay cast was put on me, right? To where I'm limited to what I could do, I would just literally feel myself breaking out of that. And that match especially was just like, <clears throat> burst onto the scene in college wrestling. Uh, so, so my ranking goes up extremely high. I don't lose a match for the rest of my sophomore year. The until break, we, the break in the mold, it sounds almost incredible hawkish to me. Like mm -hmm. I'm, this is going to happen, and I'm just going to let it loose. And it goes back to your style that you probably figured out in high school, which is I'm not going to wrestle like my brother is smooth. No, I'm just going to be tenacious, and I'm just going to go. And you're not yeah. going to want to face me whenever, whenever yeah. when you step on that mat. You might beat me, but you're not going to like it. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna, I'm going to make you hurt. You even used that earlier. Like I found the pain spots. Like For non-wrestlers, we think you're sick and you're crazy. But for, <laughs> for a sport that is physical, it's, it's probably really valuable and important. Yeah. So that breaking the mold and coming out of your shell and just letting it fly, you see wrestlers who stay in that mold, who wrestle with the cast on and with rubber, you know, with white gloves on and don't shoot and don't execute and don't go for it because of fear. Yeah. And I think the fearlessness that you probably had in that meet um, to say, like, what's the worst that can happen, which I think is so valuable for an athlete to, to hold on to. What's the worst that happens? And when you know that the worst that can happen really isn't that big a deal, and I'm going to be fearless, but I'm also going to fight failure and fight it, fight it, fight it, but I'm going to stay at it with a fearlessness, that's beautiful. All yeah. right, so it propels you, you go forward. So it, it takes me all the way up to the Nationals my sophomore year. I go in seeded number two, the returning, or yeah, the returning national champions, the one seed. Uh, so just things, um, things happen going into that event. The only way I can describe it uh, is like, and it happens a couple of more times in my life, there was just static. The only way I can describe it is there was just static around me. I couldn't, my, my thought process, I couldn't get it narrowed. It was just like little distractions. Uh, whereas, like I told you about that big significant win, there was zero static. It, I was so laser focused on what needed to be done. So I get to the Nationals my sophomore year. I, I end up fourth, right? Um, Which is a big step up from freshman year going 28 and 15. Yeah. I mean that's a huge. Step. It, it, it was it was the the like the defining moment that says, you can do it at this level. You can be an NCAA champion, right? So that closes out my sophomore year. Uh, I now go into my junior year. Uh, the kid that I wrestled from Michigan State is he's the number one ranked guy in the country my junior year. So I now know I can beat him. Right, that sophomore year, not only did I beat him in that duel, I beat him two more times throughout the year. So now we're three and three in our career. Right, we go through my junior year. I go through some ups and downs. Uh, I think I had three losses on the year, four losses on the year going into the national championships. I go in a three seed, um, make it to the finals, and who do I have but the guy from Michigan State? Right. Um, He's undefeated on the year. He had beaten me in that junior year. So um, he's the guy who you beat at the dual meet sophomore year? In my sophomore year, yep. yep. And now, and, but but did he won the national championship that, no, that year. No, no he, had, he had played my sophomore year, which was his junior year. Uh, we both placed in the nationals that year. Uh, we come back my junior year, his senior year. He's the number one seed. I'm the number, the number two ranked guy, but I go into the nationals a three seed, right? So... As it all works out, we end up meeting in the finals. And 
um, as I had done many times in my, or I felt like at that point in my career, I, I'm climbing Mount Everest, right? To beat him is to plant the flag on top of Mount Everest, right? Um, no wrestler in my high school had ever won an NCAA title. So this is another chance for me to continue to separate myself um, from my brother, from that, that shadow that I'd felt like I'd been in, even though by that point, my accolades had probably moved move me away from him. But in my mind, that was still there. Um, chip on the shoulder, maybe? In the oh, absolutely. Yeah. V- really good motivating factor. Um, so I go into that, that national championship, and kind of a crazy match. Right at the beginning of the match, I put him on his back, almost pin him within the first 20 seconds of the match. So I'm up 5-0. Um, he starts starting. He comes back in the match. Um, at the end of the second period, I end up going through a situation that puts him on his back and pins him. Wow. Right? So I get my national chi- title. Um, in style. In style, right? Not far from home. It's in Cleveland, Ohio. So there's a huge Western Pennsylvania contingent there. So not only just my family, but so many of the people that I grew up with, the Mark Angles of the world, guys that had helped push me to that level. Um, Jeremy Hunter, a guy that I had lost in the Pennsylvania States uh, my sophomore year in that state finals match. All of these guys, we're all there competing together, right? We've been doing this since we're five, six, seven years old. Now we're at the highest stage that you can be at for folk style wrestling in our country. Pride. Absolutely. It's interesting, one of your wrestlers, we, we broke down confidence, cockiness, and pride. What's the difference? And one of your wrestlers told me, it was, I thought it was brilliant, and I talk about it with all my clients, which is cockiness is be- believing that you're better than others. Confidence is belief in yourself. And pride is believing in something bigger than yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was, it was just really simple. Um, and you want to focus on confidence, right? Belief in yourself. Yeah. And pride, believing that you're actually part of something that's bigger than you. Because for you, it wasn't that you had the weight of the shoulders of those people on you. Instead, they were at your back yeah. pushing you. Absolutely. Uh, and that's, that's, Absolutely. that's a beautiful thing when you have pride for a university, for a country, for a community, for a city, whatever it might be. And that's what you're talking about is having that sense of pride. That, no, this is we. We yeah. did this. Yeah. You might have helped me when I was five years old. You might have helped me when I was eight. You know, you helped me when I was 14. Like, I'm not who I am if it's not that pride. Yeah. So that's a beautiful thing. So you get your hand raised. You plant that flag on top of Mount Everest. Yeah. Uh, and you're a junior. Yeah, I'm a junior. So, so now, um, again, it, I go back to the Oklahoma State environment, right? You've won the title, so so that is you are now accepted into the group, you're, right? You're, you're cool. Uh, yeah, you, you've hit it. Um, going into my senior year, um, it was it was it was strange. There's obviously the the I want to repeat, right. right? There is the expectation to comp- to to repeat as a national champion, but Fast forward to the end, I don't. I end up taking third at the national championships. The national championships that year are in state college. They're in Pennsylvania, mm. right? So literally thousands of people that I had grown up with, I've known, coached me, uh, they're there at that event, right? So that sense of pride and the expectation that I have, uh, one of the, it's so weird, just a year apart, to win the NCAA championships and the feeling that came with it, like literally felt like you're on top of the world. 
a year later, you take third, which looking back on it, third is not bad at the NCAA championships, right? right? I felt like I wanted to crawl under a rock, wow. right? Like there was, there was no accomplishment with third Did place. Did it turn back to have to your senior year instead of getting Yeah, absolutely. And that's where the, that's where the psychology, the sports psychology, yeah. for me, it was like, when, once I got into coaching, I looked back on my own career and said, if I could coach myself again, right. where are certain points in my career would I say, I don't want you to go to a sports psychologist? Yeah. I would have shackled myself up, dragged me as the athlete in and sat down and said, you're, you're talking with Brian Levinson. Sure. Right. I want to I I transition to you as a coach for a little bit. And we've been talking for a while, so... Uh, I want to try to get a glimpse of your mindset for coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you you get into coaching. First off, tell me about the difference between coaching and and wrestling, uh, and what that that's been like for you. What what are like the main differences? It was a really tough transition for me to make because um, going into coaching, I I looked at coaching as. I'm the wrestler. I'm going to teach all my wrestlers how I... Yeah, I'm going to teach them the equation, right? right? And that just doesn't work well, right? Um, I've always seen every team that I've ever worked with, I've always seen them as individuals. What somebody has as strengths, I want to sharpen those skills, make them the best that they can be, right? I've saw them all as individuals. That goes back to your high school experience with your brother, probably, where you knew you had to do it a different way than he did it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it took me it took me a while to understand in the coaching realm that it, I only saw one equation that gets you there, right? I had to eventually take a step back as a coach and realize, you know what? The path that this guy might have to go on is going to be different than the path. I wanted everyone to have to go the same path that I went, right? And it took a, a few years in coaching to realize not only does every individual have a certain technique and strategy that they've got to figure out on their own, but the way in which they're going to succeed may be totally different from your 125 to your heavyweight to your 157. It took me a little while to understand that. I feel like, I, I, de- I definitely don't feel like I, I, I'm mastering it yet, but I feel like I'm well on my way to getting every individual to maximize themselves. So, so here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to sort of conclude by really getting a sense of who you are as a coach. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you a bunch of rapid-fire questions. Okay. And I call these preferences. So which do you prefer, X or Y? And you just have to pick one. There's no uh, in-between. You have to go with, I prefer this over this. And I want you to wear your coaching hat, not your athlete hat. We've yeah. talked a lot about you as the athlete. Now I want to find out more how you view the world as a coach. Okay. All right, so the first one is, do you prefer... Preparing or performing? Uh, as a coach? As a coach. Preparing. And what are you going to say, as a, as a wrestler, is it performing? Yeah, I have to separate myself as an Because the athlete, yeah. it's the performance. Okay. But as a coach, it's the preparing. It's the preparation. Um, do you prefer to coach guys that are yes sir guys or why guys? I would prefer yes, sir, guys. Okay. Do you prefer a system or autonomy, freedom? System. Would you rather cheat and win 
or lose while being honest? Lose while being honest. Perfection or progression? Progression. Most valuable player or most improved player? Uh, most improved. Eulogy or resume? Eulogy. Do you prefer your generation or your parents' generation? Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think now that I'm 40, I think I prefer my parents' generation. Evaluations or descriptions? Evaluations. Positive feedback or negative feedback? As a coach, positive feedback. Culture or talent? Culture. Momentum or the moment? Uh, the moment. Pumped up or calm down? Calm down. Grit or grind? Grit. Liked or respected? Respected. Transformational leadership or transactional leadership? Transitional. Love winning. Uh, let me go back to that one real quick. Uh, so, so transformational is. Oh, transformational. Sorry. Yeah, it is transformational or transactional. Transactional is we're just gonna. If you do this, then you'll get this. Transformational is we want to change the person. Transformational. Yeah. Sorry. No, no right or wrong, but uh, love winning or hate losing. <laughs> hate losing. Risk taker or rule follower. As a coach, uh, risk taker. I'm gonna ask you this as a uh, as a as an athlete. Uh, would you rather be a starter on a losing team or a towel waver on a winning team? Oh, brother. Neither. <laughs> I want to be the star on the winning team. Yeah, uh, sure. That's a tough one. I'd, 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 as an athlete, yeah. I'd probably be the starter on the losing team. Balance or specific obsession? As a coach or an athlete? Coach. Balance. Fearlessness or fear of, fear of failure? Fear of failure. Interesting, because a lot of your success as an athlete was fearlessness. Correct. Yeah. Uh, would you do you disassociate from pressure or embrace it? So, do you uh, not think about pressure, or do you embrace the pressure? Embrace. Do you trust your head or your gut? Uh, wow, that's a really. It depends on the situation I'm in, but I probably trust my gut more. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. So I want to thank Coach Teague Moore from American University uh, for, for coming out. I also want to thank Tommy Bennett, who, who videoed uh, our interview today. I know we went for a while, but your stories are amazing. Uh, your journey is really interesting. I know we glossed over sort of your coaching journey, but I wanted to find out because your, your athlete story, I think, is fascinating and has such a, a big impact on, on who you are as a coach, as a person, I'm sure, as a father. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, coach Moore is, is one of the best coaches I've been around and has really been someone who I enjoy working with all the time. So thank you so much, Coach Moore, 
Teague for coming in and sharing your journey and your mindset and your experience. I know we are all very grateful for it. And thank you all for listening to Beyond the Surface. Have a great day.